The Astros are ready to reign no longer. Let's cue up this theme song for one last time, DJ Jack. It's episode 47 of Stone Cold Strohs, and it starts right now. Welcome into Stone Cold Strohs. I'm Brandon Strange with Charlotte Palillo and Josh Jordan for a live episode, or as I like to think of it, a group therapy episode. Thank you for staying up with us. Gents, the Astros go undefeated on the road in the playoffs through the first two rounds, only to recreate the ending of the 2019 postseason, lose every home game of a seven-game series, just like we all predicted. The season ends on a monumental collapse, which started from the very beginning of Game 7 and snowballed into a complete embarrassment in front of the home crowd. Charlie, let's start with you. How do you describe this series? Well, you know, there are little picture and big picture issues within this series, just as within the uh, Astros season at large. And, well, we're here to discuss all that. Uh, The series, in the end, I think goes down as the better lineup won. The Rangers have a one through nine better batting order than the Astros. In the bigger picture, Maldonado's a terrible offensive player. Jeremy Pena was not a good offensive player this season. In the postseason, he was basically the antithesis of 2022 postseason Pena. Kyle Tucker just went in the deep freeze at the wrong time. Slumps happen. If you go six for 40 in June, it's a two-week drought. If you go six for 20 in the postseason, a lot of people will go out a choke artist and all that. Uh, It can build upon itself and the palpable frustration. Uh, Tucker and one, frankly, crappy at bat after another through the postseason. Uh, I'm not big on the the C word in this circumstance uh, unless we're going to go with crappy. And Tucker certainly was that. Um, Michael Brantley, all the hope about Brantley's return. He basically was no good either. Five for 28 in the postseason, you know, if you're wanting him back as a, as a savior. Uh, Bregman, a couple of hits in the last game, but he was a 197 hitter in the postseason until the last game, lifted it to 220. Um, Jose Altuve's amazing moment home run in game five basically rendered a footnote, like Albert Pujols' home run off Brad Lidge in game five. The Astros rebounded, won that series in six. You have to give it to the Rangers, as Dusty Baker, for all his tactical flaws, He's an honorable, good man and said in the postgame after game seven that I don't like tipping my cap to anybody, but if you beat the hell out of me, what are you going to do? You lose 9-4, 11-4. There was no gray area. I know there are some fans who'd rather get blown out than lose in a heartbreaker. I'd rather fight the good fight, and if I just get edged out in the end, so be it. Um, these teams were tied after 162 games of the regular season. They were tied after six games. Of the, of the ALCS, well, one team had to win Game 7, and as they did in Game 6, the Rangers did it resoundingly, and the Astros matched their own ignominious distinction, right? The only team ever in any major North American sport to lose all four at home in a best-of-seven series, the 2019 Astros, now the 2023 Astros. I'll just throw this in, at least when, well, Dallas, not Arlington, uh, but the Mavericks beat the Rockets by 40 in a game seven back in 2005, that was the first round. And no one really thought the Rockets were a contender uh, as the defending and reigning champions that the Astros go out meekly in terms of the scores in the last two games. 
obviously quite the buzzkill. But it's tough to repeat, more so in baseball than any other sport, and that's why it has not happened in near a quarter century. Yeah, the big takeaway for me from the series is going to be the just not being able to perform at home. And we saw that throughout the season. It came to fruition in the postseason. I mean, this final game, they were two for 14 with runners in scoring position. So it wasn't just the hitting, but the pitching wasn't good at home either. I mean, you know, everybody gets a little bit of that blame. I think part of it too will be the, you know, Dusty clinging on to, I'm going down with the Maldi ship. You know, even when they were down big in game seven, he was reluctant to, to you know, get Yiner Diaz in there for Maldi. I think it was the fourth inning. They, they had a couple guys on base, and he still chose not to pinch hit for him in that situation. You know, it, it's not all on Maldi, but he was really terrible this postseason. He hit 143. You know, the other big ones, Charlie hit on Tucker, you know, hit 150. Jeremy Pena hit 200. I mean, when you have that many guys in your lineup that just aren't swinging the sticks – it's going to be tough to beat the Rangers because their their offense is so deep. So it, it was a lot of things. Obviously, Christian Javier didn't help you, but but Fromber and the, the pitching performance the, the game before wasn't terrific, obviously, and it, the, the runs just weren't there. When you're only scratching across two or three runs through six, seven innings against the Rangers, it, that's just not enough. The season had its ongoing narratives. Dusty Baker's managerial decisions, which seemingly was every season, but uh, Houston's struggles at home, the regression of Javier and Fromber this season, the injuries, Jose Abreu's underwhelming first season with Houston. That topic was part of a three-headed monster in the saga of Jim Crane's brain trust of Jeff Bagwell, Reggie Jackson, Bill Furcus, preseason decisions that included the signing or extensions of Montero, and Michael Brantley, after James Click was soft-fired, we'll call it. What do you think will be the lasting memory of this season? You know, it could be the end of days of this Astros dynastic run. Obviously, it was a much inferior club to what we've seen over the full-season Astros over the last six years. Still able to eke out a division title with 90 wins. And in the immediate aftermath, when you are the defending champion, and you get destroyed on your home field in game six and seven, it feels like just a total foul. Whole season was a failure. They did make it to a seventh consecutive ALCS. They did come within one win, which I know is not worth a hill of beans when you don't get that win, but they did come within one win of going to a fifth World Series in seven years, a third consecutive American League pennant. So I would encourage fans to not throw out the baby with the bathwater. But they are on the back end uh, of this era. Uh, The Texas Rangers are much better set up for the future immediately in that they're going to the World Series. Uh, But 2024, the Astros are not going to be the favorite uh, unless they have uh, just a a wowser of an offseason. They have very little to deal with from the farm system. Uh, What kind of budget will Jim Crane set? It's not a great free agent market, hence the couple of name-level players. You'd say, oh, boy, he'd be a good good get and good fit for the Astros. The price is going to go up and up on those guys. Uh, The Seattle Mariners are are lurking as well within the American League West. All runs end, but as the Rangers have demonstrated, and we saw the Phillies do last year, the point in baseball with the expanded wildcard system, of course you want to win the division, have one of the two best records, avoid that best of three. But not doing so is no kill-off of World Series hopes. So uh, the Astros next year, the objective, I mean, they'll go into the season, hey, we want to win our division again and reclaim what we think is rightfully ours, an American League championship. 
But job one is going to be just get into the postseason and give yourself a chance, be it the Arizona Diamondbacks, the Texas Rangers, several other teams in the wildcard era. If you get in it, you're giving yourself a chance. And as we saw this year, the four best teams in the regular season, Dodgers, Braves, Orioles, Rays, clearly the four best teams. None of them sniffed the league championship series. If I'm going to look on the, the positive side of this postseason, I mean, how about Jordan Alvarez? You know, this wasn't the good series, terrible series, Jordan. I mean, I'm looking at the numbers here. His OPS for the postseason this year was almost 1,500. He finished hitting 465. And then you look at the other big bats in the heart of the lineup, as bad as Abreu was in the regular season, 945 OPS. Jose Altuve, 906 OPS this postseason. And even Bregman, who only hit 220, his OPS was 932. So those guys, they were slugging the ball. They were getting on base. But you just, you know, Michael Brantley hitting 179. And then we know the struggles of Tucker. And, I mean, Jeremy Pena, it, I mean, that's a concern going forward. Just, I mean, just to fall off that much from – it seemed like he was starting to come around a little bit at the end of the regular season. The power wasn't there, but at least he was getting on base a little more. But that, that's a big concern going forward for me is there just there hasn't been that next step from the other guys. And with Tucker, you just you got to hope this is just, you know, a, a baseball thing where he, he just slumped at, at the wrong time. And, and next season will be next season. and He'll start off fresh. When we look at some of the problems, the, the blemishes. You mentioned Pena. I mean, that's a big question mark. I don't think they're going to do anything in that position because I think they are committed to him. He has shown enough to where they're going to invest in him, you know, at least for the foreseeable future. First base, I know Abreu came through in the postseason, but first base was a struggle for most of the year. They are committed to Abreu. Out of all those positions that we see as potential challenges going forward, what do you think is going to be the priority for Dana Brown and his problem solving and looking forward to 2024? I think you're on point with Pena, who was a disappointment this year and may just be what he is as an offensive player, which is mediocre. And he just had an out-of-body experience in his superstardom turn during the LCS and World Series in 2022. Well, these things happen. Right? These are part of the charm and allure of sports that a guy can just go crazy for a while, just as a great player can go in the tank for a while. Uh, but he also remains very, very cheap labor, Jeremy Pena, not even salary arbitration eligible. So no doubt he's their everyday shortstop going into the next year, along with the fact they have no viable alternative otherwise. Uh, Abreu, you know, his surge in September and a very credible postseason, he's going to be their primary first baseman. But whoever is filling out the lineup card in 2024 – Cannot be planning to have Jose Abreu in it 140, 145 times. He's 37 years old, will turn 38 during next season. And when did he flourish? Basically, after breaks, the all-star break, his time on the injured list, the liberal off days between playoff games. Um, there has to be an accommodation made for that. Uh, Michael Brantley ostensibly was a waste of $12 million, a bet on which they lost. There should be no reason to bring him back unless it's for $2 million or something like that. Uh, they can use another outfield bat. So to throw one specific name, I go back to where we were at the trade deadline on this. Free agent to be, the perfect fit is Cody Bellinger. And if you're still holding it against him with the Dodgers, uh, I suggest you get over it. Bellinger's an elite defensive outfielder and a stellar first baseman. So you'd be killing two birds with one stone. Tucker, Presumably McCormick, two-thirds of your outfield. The third spot is up for grabs. 
It's not going to be Jake Mars at a quality level. It's not going to be Corey Jolks at a majority level. Uh, they need to aspire to have better than a replacement level player uh, getting hundreds of plate appearances in that third outfield spot slash DH, depending how much Jordan plays in the outfield. I mean, I would look at maybe some more starting pitching. I know we're going to get Luis Garcia and hopefully Lance McCullers back, but even in the ideal perfect world, you can't imagine those guys are going to be available, both of them, for 30 starts each next year. Like I, I, I just don't see that being the case. So If you get 30 between them, you're probably doing well. Right. So if, if that's the case, and you know, with Fromber falling back a little bit and Javier falling back a little bit, maybe pitching is where they go. We also know that – Several guys are leaving out of the bullpen, Naris being the one that you should have the most concern about. So I think addressing that bullpen, because, I mean, how many, you know, Maton's going to be leaving too, Stanek's going to be leaving. So Graveman's still under contract for another year, but, I mean, you know, he wasn't healthy enough to help us this year. So I think that's where they'll they'll definitely look. I, I think McCormick, at least McCormick was okay. He hit 286. You know, about 750 OPS. His defense scared me a little bit. I don't know if he lost some balls in the lights or if he just wasn't good getting good jumps. But but that you know surprised me, disappointed me a little bit. So I think they'll be looking there. I'm with Charlie. I think Brantley's just. I, I just think that that's done. I think he's at that Bagwell point with his shoulder where I, I don't know if he's going to be contributing any any further. The starting pitching is a quandary because it was the backbone of the 2022 champions supplemented by an otherworldly in the postseason, even more so bullpen. Uh, Verlander, $17 million with the Mets paying the bulk of the, the $43 million deal. That's reasonable value. Verlander clearly slipped a notch, but he was still a low threes earned run average guy. The Astros probably don't even make the playoffs if they do not reacquire Verlander. And because of the numbers, I don't see them adding a, a significant dollar pitcher. Uh, which way does Framber Valdez swing? I think we can safely surmise the gigantic contract extension won't be coming for him this offseason with the Astros controlling him for two more years. Obviously, the Game 7 implosion is, is an ugly stain, but the way Javier was resurgent late and with four more years on his five-year $64 million extension. Right, those are one, two, three, no doubt going into the season. A healthier Keedy probably gets a run at the four spot. Then are you still grab bagging it with the five, uh, waiting on McCullers and or Garcia to get back? Uh, I still think uh, along the lines of Josh's thinking that they should be looking to add one more veteran better than a Jake Odorizzi was able to give them when he was signed for that role. But we could go back years earlier and, well, Charlie Morton was a smash hit. So is there someone they can identify? Because it's not as if Arkady is a given to be healthy and good over the course of a, of a full season. But Verlander, Valdez, Javier, I presume they're going in thinking those are 90 of our 162 starts. Young Hunter Brown. Need to mention well, that's, Brown, who, who yeah. stunk for four months yeah. and was called upon in the playoffs a couple of times. Um, but he's he's certainly in their plans because he has the real live arm and he's still 25 years old, uh, but did not pitch like he belonged in the major leagues, basically, from May through September. He well, had an ERA, ERA over five for the season in the regular season. Urquidy, much of the season when he was healthy, had an ERA of five. So, I mean, they got to really look at this stuff. I mean, we were hoping – you know, we hope Pena would take the next step. Well, same deal with Hunter Brown. And and as good as he was a couple games ago in Arlington, getting a lot of extra innings for the Astros, he was giving up rockets all over the field. A lot of that was just kind of guys standing at the right place at the right time. And, and he was okay in game seven tonight, but 
still gave up a home run. So, I mean, find somebody that wasn't giving up runs in this game for the Astros. It's to only Maton, right? Yeah, well, if you want to narrow it down to Game 7, since it's the most recent, and unfortunately for quite some time, last game we have to parse, right? All hands on deck, whatever it takes to win this game. And Bruce Bochy pulls Scherzer very early to go to Jordan Montgomery on two days rest, who largely snuffed the Astros in his two starts and then gave them key outs in game seven. Well, Christian Javier falls apart from the get-go and Dusty Baker in save the game, save the season mode. It's Hunter Brown and JP France over a period of innings. So if you want to talk about quality depth, biting the Astros in the end, uh, there it was. Uh, but, you know, I, I suppose if they were to ultimately lose, it's appropriate that they went down ignominiously at home. What, 40 and 47 at Minute Maid Park? Regular season plus playoffs. Logically inexplicable, but we don't have to explicable or explain. It happened, and it's the epitaph, basically, for the 2023 Astros. And if I could just nitpick again, this was another example of Dusty where he's getting in trouble and instead of going to a cleaner somebody like naris somebody to to just get you out of a jam keep the score down right now he went to the hunter browns and the jp francis of the world thinking like he typically says oh if, if they score early we'll have more time later to catch up whereas the rangers went with the opposite approach they're like we're going to shut this down right now and try and and keep this small little lead and that worked for them you know going with montgomery and where the, the Astros are going with J.P. France and, and the game gets out of hand and, and it's over. So that, that that just really, that was unfortunate. That disappointed me that it didn't seem like we were managing like it was the last day of the season. And I guess in the, the biggest of pictures in the near term for many uh, grumpy or just observant Astros fan, no particular information on this whatsoever, but I think that's it. For Dusty Baker as manager, I think he'll be given the opportunity uh, because he is worthy of respect and, and overall a fabulous baseball career and did get the cherry on the Sunday winning the World Series. Did they win because of Dusty Baker's managerial acumen? No. Uh, but did they flat out overcome him to win? No. Uh, 2023, though, I think some sore thumbs stuck out more so with Dusty's managerial tactics, given the Astros reduced margin for error because this was a pretty good ball club. That's it. Not close to a great ball club anymore. Uh, but it's time. So I think he'll be given the opportunity to retire. But you probably do want to get that decision established sooner or later. And if you're not willing to jump, then need be, you will be pushed. Joe Espada would be the obvious in-house candidate. I think we've touched upon this maybe a time or two during the course of the season. You know, Jim Crane, whoever else is involved in the interview process, Dana Brown, uh, I would want to hear from Joe Espada. Well, you were in the trenches with Dusty, and we'd never have asked you before now, and you were a, you know, a trusted, loyal uh, bench coach. But basically, what do you think Dusty did that was stupid? You know, philosophically, uh, tactically, what would be different in your approach? Map out how you would try to structure uh, the Astros roster and management. And I bet you very high on the list would be Yiner Diaz will catch a lot more. You're hired! Chandler Rome did report uh, just uh, right before we went on live that Dusty Baker has informed people internally that he does plan to retire after this year, but nothing official from Dusty as of this time has uh, come out on that. 
I guess, you know, as we as we wrap up here, what are, what are we most optimistic about for next season? I mean, like, I, I think one of the things personally I look at is the experience that a lot of the young guys got in this postseason. Diaz got some eight bats. He'll get more next year, but getting some at-bats in playoff situations can help those moments not seem as big going forward. Uh, Hunter Brown getting in there. And, and I think for Hunter Brown, it's not just the results in the postseason. It's about pitching into the postseason and trying to you know get his endurance up to where he can go deeper into a season instead of hitting that rookie wall. JP France, we had no idea what to expect out of him this year. He's pitched a lot more than could have been anticipated. What are we most optimistic for going into next season? I think offensively, you continue to have a solid nucleus. Uh, if you just invert Diaz and Maldonado's playing time, you know, if Maldi is back, dusty or no dusty, it has to be as a straight reserve, right? There's no more Corey Lee, so they will need someone to complement uh, Yiner Diaz. But Diaz making 100 starts instead of Maldonado, that is fairly significantly going to improve the bottom of your lineup or wherever you slot Diaz in the lineup. Um, you know, a healthy season from Altuve, even if father time starts making incursions on him, he turns 34 in May. But still, a hell of a player. Uh, Pena, he's an interesting one for both himself and the hitting coaches. He can't just hit ground ball after ground ball after ground ball. Um, So what are they going to do to retool his swing and make him a positive offensive player? Uh, I doubt Tucker will be emotionally scarred from his postseason nightmare. There's a long list of tremendous players who've had bad series or bad postseasons and gone on to still have many good years. Uh, Backwell and Biggio come to mind. Um, Chaz McCormick will be an interesting, what's his follow-up act after his breakout year? Did he plateau? Does he backslide? Or Chaz McCormick is 29 years old next year. Is there further room for growth in his game? But if he maintains overall, that's just fine. So you have a pretty good core lineup. Uh, I think the the overarching questions are about the starting pitching. Um, And as uh, Josh enumerated, you know, what names are filling the bullpen? Do they re-sign any? of the three meaningful guys who are all free agent eligible. For me, it's watching Verlander chase history a little bit excites me for next year. You know, as he climbs up those all-time lists, you know, possibly what's going to happen with Altuve and Bregman. Is that the last year with them playing for the Astros? I don't think so, but I don't know if he gun to my head. Do I think they'll bring them both back? I'm not so sure. So I'll enjoy watching those guys one more year. And if that window could be kind of closing, then I'll be excited that let's go all in for next season. And is Jim Crane going to be willing to, hey, look at look at what the Texas Rangers are spending? Is he going to be you know able and willing to, to to spend a little more and upgrade this ball club for next year? And that's the bottom line because Stone Cold said so. That's going to be it for another episode of Stone Cold Shows. Actually, that's going to be it for the last episode of Stone Cold Shows officially for this season. We'll be doing some bonus episodes as breaking news happens and as free agency unfolds. So you need to make sure you're subscribed to this channel on YouTube or make sure you're subscribed on podcast. And if you enjoy the show, please give us a five star rating. We had so many people that joined us live. Thank you to everyone who stayed up with us. Thanks to Jack Brame, who's producing behind the scenes. Until next time, go Strohs.